Welcome to Parents' Rights Now, a production of Parents' Rights in Education, hosted by Suzanne Gallagher. We are committed to valuing students, empowering parents, and supporting communities to secure great educations for public school children in America. PRE welcomes all students, families, and community members who care about scholastic success for K-12 public school students. Visit our website, parentsrightsined.org, and like us on Facebook. Our chapters include Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, Illinois, Maine, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, Texas, Virginia, Washington State, Wisconsin, and something new, Australia. Join us by filling out the form on our website titled, Join Us. You will find information regarding issues and information about local and state chapters. Hey guys, it's great to be with you again today. I'm a little bit behind schedule, but uh, I wanted to bring you up to date on all the activities that are going on from here to, oh my gosh, Montana, uh, you name it, Illinois, um, pretty much every other state in the union. Uh, The reason is this, uh, because we're in the election cycle. And for Oregon, that ended on Tuesday of this week. That was uh, the that was voting day. It was the final day to get your ballots in. Although some of the races still are not decided, but um, one of the most important ones was, and that was the primary election for the Republican Party for governor. Uh, and some other races, including House of Representatives, congressional seats uh, that are coming up, etc. And um, we were very proud to endorse several excellent candidates. Unfortunately, um, not very many of them made it. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us that we need to be more engaged in our elections Uh, These candidates that didn't make it, unfortunately, they weren't the establishment picks. And as a result, um, they didn't get the backing of um, either uh, the legislative caucuses or others who seem to control the elections in the state of Oregon. And we are a (laughs) the beta test or a petri dish for what's going on in states all across the country. Now, it wasn't so severe in, uh, for example, Texas. In fact, we won several races for uh, school board, which is pretty cool. And we were very happy about that. When I say we, I'm talking about the candidates that our local organizations, our state organizations, and our school district organizations are backing Uh, These are candidates that we have endorsed. And so you want to watch for our endorsement because it is very, uh, it's like gold for uh, these candidates. And we talked about one earlier in the week on my podcast that came out Tuesday of this week, a very interesting story about Jeff Younger in the state of Texas, who is running for the House of Representatives there. We are so, so excited about his candidacy and do hope he wins. So at this point, you're probably wondering how, if I am a candidate, how do I, 
How do I deserve? How do I apply for? How do I get your endorsement? Well, we are looking for great candidates and we want to make sure that they do represent our values and our mission. The only way that we know for sure is if you fill out a questionnaire, a candidate questionnaire, and if you have recommendations from our local chapter in your area. These local pre-chapters are fantastic for helping candidates win. If there isn't one in your area, somebody needs to start one. Perfect timing. What do we need to do? Well, we need to plant more local chapters because this is a relationship building organization. We are all about relationships. We're all about trust. And when we have a strong group in the community, in the school district, we will be happy to endorse candidates, but they must be vetted by individuals who are aligned with parents' rights and education at the local level. That's the bottom line, guys. We can't be handing out uh, our, our endorsement just solely based on answers to our questionnaire. Yes, the questionnaire is very important. We do want to have our candidates fill it out, but it's not the only way that we make a judgment call about who to endorse. So May was primary season in the state of Oregon, but for many other states, their primaries are taking place in August. And we believe that it's highly important and will be... uh, a missed opportunity if we don't hold another Safe School Summit this summer. And so we're in talks about that. I'm t- looking at, at hosting something here in the Northwest at the end of July or the 1st of August. And um, we have um, a very exciting guest who will be our keynote speaker. You guys are going to love this woman. Her name is Rebecca Friedrichs, and she is the individual who challenged who? The California Education Association or the Teachers Union in the state of California. She sued them. This woman is phenomenal, and she is also the individual who spearheaded the making of the documentary titled, Whose Children Are They? If you have not seen this documentary yet, you just have to see it. You've got to see it and see what Rebecca Friedrichs has uncovered. Now, Many of the people in that documentary are very familiar to us at Parents' Rights in Education because we've been involved uh, since 2011 in this fight. But many of you have not, and it will give you an excellent overview of the issue. So please, 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 I will put that link in our show notes. You can rent the movie. You can watch it with your Bible study group or any other group and you're right in the comfort of your own home or just by yourself. And it's only $20, $20. I mean, that is so reasonable. Many books cost $20. Okay. But once you rent it, you can watch it multiple times. So just like a book, you can read it over and over again. You can uh, underline, etc. Of course, this isn't a book. There's no place to underline. But if you miss a portion of it, you can go back and watch it again. Okay, that is called Whose Children Are They? 
Now check your calendars and, uh, you know, pencil in the last weekend of July or the first weekend of August as possible dates for the Safe Schools Summit 2022. You will be hearing more about that soon. Okay, well, let's talk about something in the news. You know, we have a a very strong uh, chapter, state chapter in the state of Washington. And I thought it would be fun to take a look at what um, (laughs) Jason Rance is reporting lately. So this story came out um, on May 11th, 2022. And Rance says, school used unsubstantial hate speech claim to push kids into equity training. This takes place in Kirkland Middle School, used wholly unsubstantiated claims about hate speech on campus to justify left-wing equity training for the kids. And what's worse, the school appears to have cooked up data to justify the training after it had already begun. The incorrect data may have been used to address the complaints of two parents who questioned the hate speech claims. You see what's going on here? <laughs> According to emails shared with Jason Rant's show on KTTH KIMS principal Nikki Casero alleged there was, quote, an increase in the use of racial and identity slurs, unquote. These incidents were occurring across all grade levels and were, quote, pervasive rather than a single isolated incident, unquote. Consequently, the school conducted student training to discuss the importance of diversity and the dangers of hate speech and slurs. The district, through a spokesperson, confirmed the training came, quote, in response to a trend, unquote, about biased behavior. I still stand by my words to say that because of what they're teaching, there is more biased behavior. Wouldn't you say so? But the district has not been able to provide any evidence of any pervasive use of racial or identity slurs. That's interesting. Hmm, The only data that suggests the opposite is true. Quote, that students aren't experiencing any hate on campus. That didn't appear good enough for the school. Well, a look at the partisan training. The equity training was provided for four days starting on April 25th, where the students learned why they were undergoing the focus on hate speech. Many students at KIMS are being unkind and disrespectful to one another through their words and actions. There has been a considerable increase in the use of hate speech, derogatory terms, and various slurs. We are going to take this week to reflect on how our choice of words and actions affect ourselves, those around us, and our community, one slide said. The training also claimed that KIMS has a zero-tolerance policy for words and actions that make anyone feel disrespected or unsafe. This is untrue. No such zero-tolerance policy against making someone feel disrespected exists. (laughs) I'm sorry, I have to laugh at that. The training also featured the pyramid of hate an oft-used political resource for anti-racism training. It explains different ways that progressives believe bias is expressed, such as microaggressions, 
lack of awareness over one's privilege, criminal justice disparities, cultural appropriation, and unequal media representation, and jokes. We can't joke anymore, you know. The lesson ended with an ask that students take a survey about bias they may have witnessed or experienced. The school tried very hard to get a specific result. Okay, here's the report from Jason Rance. Cooking the results? The student survey was anonymous and asked a number of personal questions, including inquiring about the gender identities of the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders and whether or not they felt safe and respected at school. A total of 483 students answered the question. For the most part, the prompts about bias in school are non-controversial, such as, quote, I feel respected by my peers, unquote, followed by yes or no, and sometimes. But the students went into the survey right after being presented with left-wing claims of bias. If a white student told a black student that she didn't experience white privilege, if the black student felt slighted by the, quote, lack of awareness, unquote, it would be a form of bias that could be affirmatively answered in the survey. But one prompt popped out to students and their parents. The prompt said this, quote, I have heard someone use a form of hate speech or say derogatory remarks at, followed by only three answers, school, during extracurricular activities, and in the community. Students were not able to provide an answer indicating they had not heard hate speech or derogatory remarks. Of course, the school is assuming that they all have heard them, especially just after they taught a course in what that looks like, and then give the survey. The phrasing and limited responses mean 100% of students who answer this mandatory prompt would confirm the school has a hate speech problem. It would be the perfect data point to use to claim there's a pervasive hate speech problem on campus. A spokesperson for the district says they recognize the prompt would lead to unfair claims. Quote, after the survey was released, it was determined that question nine in the survey is not worded correctly. Staff members alerted the counseling staff to the issue, and as a result, they did not share the collected data with students, nor will they be able to use it in their work, unquote. That was from a spokesperson who said it in an email to the Jason Rance show on KTTH. So what did the survey actually say? The training went over the results of the survey. It showed there was not a pervasive hate speech problem on campus. <laughs> All this time given to this survey and given to this discussion about hate speech when it didn't really exist. I read on. Despite being indoctrinated with left-wing views on bias, a very small number of students, 251, say they, quote, felt, unquote, targeted because of their sexual orientation. That was 11%. Religion slash beliefs, 10%. Race or that ethnicity, 
or gender, 16%. This does not indicate a pervasive hate speech problem at KIMS. Still, the school tried to present the survey as showing as a significant problem. Well, of course they did because they're trying to build a case. Quote, while the data only represents 10 to 16% of our student population, those students might experience forms of targeting every day at school. If a student is targeted every day throughout middle school, that is equivalent to 1.4 years only counting school days, one slide says. There's no evidence that students are experiencing the claims of bias every day. Given the board explanation that students were told is a form of hate. There's no real evidence this is happening to most of those students at all. And it's unclear how many individual students are responsible for multiple claims of bias. Remember, they're surveying middle school students, not a very reliable demographic. Still, the training told students that the problem was pervasive. Quote, given the number of students reporting mistreatment, we are all asking that all mistreatment be reported to a trusted adult in the school or to the office. So parents complained and the principal made some spurious claims. The parent of a KIMS student emailed Principal Casaro asking why their child had to attend the training. They were dubious of the claim that the school has a hate speech problem. Can you please provide an example of the type of occurrences that prompted the use of an entire week in lieu of extra class time on this subject? I am not requesting a specific example, but I'm curious to know in what grade level the incidents were allegedly occurring and what type of incident, unkind and disrespectful, hate speech, derogatory slurs. The mom emailed, quote, my husband and I believe that these types of lessons on social justice type subjects are better suited to parental instruction. Casero said the N-word was used as well as a derogatory word about Chinese people by students, but she initially could not provide any official data showing a pervasive problem according to an email the parent shared with the Jason Ranch show on KTTH. Quote, one of the challenges of collecting data is much of this is happening in the hallway and lunchroom, unquote. Casero wrote, remember she's the principal, according to an email forwarded by the parents. Quote, students and some staff members are reporting hearing more inappropriate language, racial slurs, and derogatory comments than in the past, but have been unable to identify which students have said them. For students who we have been able to identify, we have followed the Students' Rights and Responsibilities Handbook, unquote. Were they using the survey to push the point? I think so. Casero then used the survey results to bolster her claim of pervasive hate groups on campus, despite a lack of official data. <sighs> they never give up. Per the survey taken on Tuesday during 
Panther Time, nearly 300 students in our school throughout all three grade levels said that they have heard inappropriate language and or gestures, hate speech, slurs, and or derogatory language. We are all trying to identify which students are engaging in this behavior and believe that many students hear their comments, she wrote. Well, guess what, guys? Her math does not add up. There were 251 instances of a student claiming to have experienced some form of bias, but the data does not state 251 or 300 individual students experienced bias. (laughs) In other words, nobody was complaining. It says students reported instances of bias, meaning one student could be responsible for three affirmative responses when asked about bias. If you add in the instances of students who said they had witnessed rude gestures, 384, which the principal cites in her email, you get 634 instances of bias. But it's incredulous to believe there's a pervasive problem when they're not able to produce even rough numbers of instances before pushing students into a survey where they seem prompted to answer in the affirmative. This is how they do these surveys, you guys. You want to tell your kids, don't fill out a survey. In fact, the school district must require written permission to give these surveys to students. That's really the story here. They're not even getting into that. Actually, by by, uh, our understanding of FERPA, they cannot give your child a form or a survey to fill out without your, you, the parent or guardian, without your written permission. Jason writes on, and even after the survey was taken, it very clearly shows any perceived problems. It's not pervasive, okay? Anti, but, but they're not supposed to be doing the surveys in the first place. Anti-bias training, regardless of the reason, would not normally be seen as controversial. There's nothing wrong with reminders on how results can impact relationships in an environment. But in this case, the training deserves to be called out. They need to stop. The very premise of the training is based on what appears to be a lie. The school is telling children they're racist, redefining bias through a left-wing lens via the training and then guilting them into changing their worldview. That's manipulative and immoral. Thank you, Jason Rance. Perfect analysis. And that the training is driven by a political worldview is unconscionable, even if not shocking to see in public schools overrun by liberal activist educators. The school owes its students an apology or a more public explanation of what the actual problem, if it exists, truly looks like. At the end of the day, the problem here, and these are my words, the problem here is that our schools are being used for indoctrination of our children. They are not teaching them academic information, but yet focusing on cooked up, cooked up, like like in a kitchen, cooked up ideas that have nothing to do with preparing our students for life in the real world. Would you agree? This is Parents' Rights Now. 
please check your show notes for links pertinent to this podcast. Oh, and one last thing. It would be so, so great if you could help us out financially as well. You know, we have ongoing expenses every month and we're growing, growing like crazy. And uh, we do give assistance to all of our chapters. They can uh, ask people in their various states to contribute. So you might want to consider that if there is a chapter in your state. Uh, you can indicate that you prefer for the money to go directly to the state. And Pre keeps 20% of that and 80% goes to the chapters to help them with their expenses for printing, etc. A lot of them are putting on events. And we encourage them to do that. And so this helps them to grow and to take action. And um, anyway, just go to the donate page on our website, parentsrightsined.org. Thanks much.